Win or lose, we're back here with another episode of The Chief Zone. I am your host, Farzin Vesugian. Thank you for downloading and listening to this edition of The Chief Zone. Another tough loss, the fifth straight for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll touch on that in just a moment. we got a nice show for you here on The Chief Zone. A pretty exciting week as well, actually, uh, with, with guests. Uh, as far as today's show goes, we're going to have Jay Binkley from 610 Sports Radio here with us. Jay is a... Uh, really great guy when it comes to football. Just a great source. Uh, he co-hosts the day shift on 610 Sports Radio. Also does the Chiefs post-game show for the station. And he's also full-time football and beer aficionado. Uh, for those of you familiar with Jay, you probably know why that's the case. But Jay Binkley, nonetheless, he'll be with us here on the Chiefs on to discuss the Chiefs and the five-game losing streak and Really, just, just the way the team's looking, the mentality. And and I'll ask him about Andy Reid's job security. I think that's one thing that a lot of people want to know right now. Where, where is Andy Reid's job security with the Chiefs? A lot of people want him out. But I think you guys will be surprised with how much security Andy Reid has with his job as the head coach of the Chiefs. I, I, one thing we've got to remember is we shouldn't just nix him just for one bad season. I agree. Ever since he got here... If you take his total wins each season, 11 wins, 9 wins, and it's very doubtful he goes above 9 wins this season. So his his total number of wins are going down each season, which is obviously not good, and it doesn't help your case with your job security. His job security is definitely taking a fall, but he may be around a little bit longer. We'll talk to Jay Binkley about that later in the show. We'll also do... Our Chiefs and Vikings recap. I'll give you guys my thoughts on the game. Real quickly, before we jump into the Chiefs and Vikings, I wanted to mention Tony Gonzalez's documentary that aired Friday night on Showtime. It's called Play It Forward. I didn't didn't get a chance to discuss this last week. Uh, I really enjoyed the documentary. I didn't watch it live because of the Royals, uh, but I did catch it on demand over the weekend, and and I really did enjoy this. Uh, For those who haven't seen it, this is not about Tony Gonzalez's career uh, there are not a lot of Kansas City highlights. In fact, the uh, photo art for this, uh, the the, the pic- main picture, is a picture of him in a Falcons jersey. So if you're expecting this to be about his time in Kansas City, uh, you might be disappointed by this. He does mention Kansas City. In fact, one of the highlights they show is Gonzalez breaking the all-time NFL record for uh, touchdowns in a career by a tight end. So, I mean, there's some Kansas City mentions here and there. So it's not like they just completely uh, forgot about Kansas City uh, because obviously Tony Gonzalez played here for a very long time. Uh, But the main thing, without giving away too much of this, and obviously you all know how this ends, uh, this is about Tony Gonzalez's 16th season in the NFL, which is the 2012 season uh, that uh, Gonzalez and the Falcons went to the playoffs, and Gonzalez got his first ever postseason win. Uh, but it's not just about his his time as a football player. The thing that I loved the most about this is Gonzalez's family is highlighted in this, and especially his stepdad, which I thought was really, I, I think was, was definitely interesting because we hear so much. I, I think that story about the... You hear about the stepmom or stepdad and how it's not really a positive influence. And for some people, you know, when they have a when their mom or dad remarries, it's for some people it's a positive experience. For some, it's not. Uh, but for Gonzalez, I mean, he really developed a strong relationship with his stepfather, which 
is very rare in our society. And not that it's a bad thing, it's just we, 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 we don't get that often. A lot of the hype around this film, uh, it's been promoted that it has a lot to do with Tony Gonzalez's brother, who has really kept Tony in check. And that's, to me, one of my favorite things, especially for a guy like me who's, I'm very close to my family, so seeing how Tony's brother played a big influence in his life I think it's very interesting. Uh, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to give too much away. Obviously, the Falcons do win a postseason game, but again, it goes beyond just what what's going on in, in his football life. I mean, just in his life overall with his family, too. Uh, I, I think a lot of people will be surprised. To kind of, I think people will enjoy it. Obviously, if you're a Chiefs fan and or a Falcons fan, this is a must-see. I mean, this is the, one of the best players to ever play for both the Chiefs and the Falcons ever. But the thing about this is, I, I think the casual football fan would even appreciate a film like this because it also does show uh, the life of an NFL player. I mean, how does an NFL player deal with family? Because Tony Gonzalez didn't necessarily reside in Kansas City or Atlanta. As a matter of fact, when they were showing shots of the city of Atlanta, they at one point showed Tony Gonzalez where he lived during the season, and they the Chiron came up in the bottom of the screen, and I remember the exact term they used, but they called it Tony's football apartment. Uh, I mean, the, where he lived basically during the season, because when football season ended, that's where Tony went. He went back home uh, in California, which is where his family resides. So it's interesting from this. And look, Tony Gonzalez is not the only player to do that. There are a lot of players who they don't buy a home wherever they get traded to or wherever they, they, they sign. Uh, they still keep a permanent home, but, the, uh, but then they have a temporary place to stay. And a lot, usually it's, it's an apartment because they don't want to buy a, a big property. So I, I think that aspect is nice to see we've seen this uh, on hard knocks a few times on, on hbo but i mean this kind of gives you the full full side of it a bit uh from just one uh individual one person standpoint uh so i really enjoyed it uh again i, I don't want to give too much away because there are some things in the movie that i had never known before i mean obviously the playing career and what happened with the falcons that year everyone knows but there's a lot that that goes into that and i think a lot of Chiefs fans and Falcons fans, and even people who who enjoy football overall, will really appreciate this film. I I, I think this is one that a lot of people uh will will really like. It, it's that nice touch, that, that that feel good kind of documentary that I think fans, uh, and and not just sports fans. I think anyone overall would really enjoy watching. So there you have it, Tony. For those uh who want to check it out, it's called Play It Forward. I'm sure they're replaying it uh several times it's on showtime uh play it forward i caught it on demand uh on at&t uverse so if uh any of you guys have on demand it's definitely going to be available and hey, let's let's not hide from it these kinds of things do make it on the internet as well uh so i'll let you guys figure that out for yourselves but definitely do check it out all right let's get into it i know not a lot of you guys don't want to hear about it especially with the Royals hype going on around town, but we've got to do it. And, uh, you know, going into this game, I wasn't quite sure how this was going to be. I knew it was going to be a close game. Uh, to me, the Chiefs and the Vikings, really both of them, I thought were going to be much better than this. I thought this was going to be a game where, before the season, I thought this was going to be a game in which both the Chiefs and Vikings were going to need a must-win game 
in order to stay close to compete with the Broncos or the Packers, I mean, depending which division you're in, or to try and build a gap in the division. Turns out neither is the case for the two teams. And the Vikings a little bit more in contention to compete for the NFC North, but we all know that's going to be Green Bay's division. But for Kansas City, I mean, Kansas City's now tied for being one of the worst teams since Detroit won recently, and those two teams will meet later on in the season. If you if the season ended today, Kansas City does have the number one overall pick. So for those who do want that draft pick, that high high placement, well, there you have it. As of right now, Kansas City's on pace to get that. There are five one-win teams, but the Chiefs would be awarded with the number one overall pick. This game, though, and I want to start from the beginning, too, and I don't normally go from the beginning specifically, but I think I thought the beginning really set the tone for both the offensive and defensive side of the football for the Chiefs. Vikings drive very well against the Chiefs, uh, and Teddy Bridgewater doing, doing a good job against the Chiefs to start off, but then the drive ends with a Ron Parker interception in the end zone, so Ron Parker basically erases the t- Kansas City's defensive bad defensive start with a pick. But on the first offensive play for the Chiefs, Alex Smith overthrows Travis Kelsey. Looks to his right. Quick, short pass. It's not even a short pass. Even if Kelsey caught it and got tackled right away, it's a a completion for a loss. But it's overthrown. It's overthrown. Forget about the fact that Alex Smith is unable to get the deep pass going this year even with the addition of Jeremy Macklin, who, by the way, suffered a concussion in this game, as did Mike DeVito, he's overthrowing people left and right. And Kansas City's defense, the defense has improved the past couple of games despite allowing 649 yards against Chicago and Minnesota. Uh, and look, it is Chicago and Minnesota, but uh, you know, for not allowing either one of those teams to score more than 20 points is nice to see. Uh, and again, that's what you're supposed to do against uh, an offense like Chicago, like Minnesota. When they're not doing so hot, well, uh, keep them below 20 points. And odds are you're going to win a football game. But unfortunately for the Chiefs, that hasn't been the case because the offense hasn't been able to reward the defense. That was the biggest issue with Kansas City last year. The Chiefs never allowed 30 or more points in a football game last year. It's just the offense couldn't help provide a balance and reward the defense for for its efforts. And here we are, the past two games, I, I don't think the defense played great. Uh, like I said, they're giving a, a, up a lot, a lot of yards, but uh, you know, you give up tw- below 20 points in, in both games. You give up eight, uh, 18 to Chicago, 16 to Minnesota. If you were to tell me that the Chiefs would have surrendered 18 to Chicago and 17 points to Minnesota... I would have said the Chiefs probably go 2-0 in this stretch. But it turns out that wasn't the case. Uh, and obviously Jamal Charles being out, that doesn't help either. But I I don't I don't think Jamal Charles is an excuse for losing the way that the Chiefs have lost. Especially not scoring in the second half against Chicago. And not scoring in, in, in this game up until the fourth quarter. In fact, I, I wrote this down somewhere and I'll, I'll pull it up. I tweeted I promise I have it in front of me somewhere. Through, uh, through all these notes I have from the way the game went uh, for the Chiefs. But the, it took the Chiefs exactly 76 minutes and 59 seconds of gameplay to score. Between Cairo Santos' field goal 
late in the second quarter against Chicago, and then Cairo Santos' other field goal early in the fourth quarter against the Vikings, the Chiefs did not score for 76 minutes and 59, basically 77 minutes. You're not going to win football games if you go that long. That's basically more than a football game. The, the, the Chiefs haven't been scoreless in a game yet, but that's five quarters of football in which the Chiefs did not score. And look, the Chiefs didn't score in the second half of that Texans game either, which luckily they were able to come away with a win in that game. But when you're playing at this rate, you're not going to win many games. You That one win might be your only win of the season. And I hate to say it, but looking at the schedule, even against some of the teams that aren't so good on Kansas City's schedule, I'm not too optimistic that this Chiefs team can pull out another win. Like I said, you lose Jamal Charles. Now you lost Jeremy Macklin, uh, who suffered a concussion. And like I said, Mike DeVito did as well. Now, we don't know the severity of this concussion because... Uh, not a lot's been out yet. It's only been 24 hours since uh, he suffered the concussion and is undergoing protocol, but he may miss a game. I don't know. Let's let's assume Macklin misses one game because of the concussion. You're without Jamal Charles. You're without Jeremy Macklin. What do you have to, to go with on this offense? I mean, this is going to be a pass-heavy football team, and I don't know if I trust the Chiefs when it comes to being a pass-heavy football team. I understand Jamal Charles is gone, and that Sharkandrick West, Niall Davis, and DeAnthony Thomas are probably not going to get the job done for you on the ground, but still, I'd rather take my chances on the ground than I would through the air. Because there's there's not a lot to feel good about when it comes to the passing game for Kansas City. Travis Kelsey did have a good game, and I said last week on the podcast, I said Travis Kelsey has to step up, especially with Jamal's absence. And he did. Five catches, 88 yards. In fact, he had that 37-yard catch-and-run play late in the game. But then one play later, Charkandrick West fumbles. Uh, the Chiefs did force a three and out uh, to, and try to get one more chance, but the team couldn't do anything about it. Uh, I, I do want to, speaking of Charkandrick West, uh, he did have that. Uh, the Chiefs went for it on a fourth-and-one play in which West was pushed back, tried to stay on his feet, it, it tried to avoid the ground, he goes to the end zone. The officials call it down. Now, this is where I want to help out the listeners because I think a lot of fans are still upset by this. Maybe they're blaming the loss because of this play, which, which again, I'm not a fan of. I don't like to point out one loss and point at the officials because I, I, I just don't believe in that. I really don't. I, I think there are plenty of options, especially when the Vikings only scored 16 points. Uh, there's more than the officials as to why you lost a football game. Uh, the thing about this I want to bring up, you can challenge... The spot of a ball. But the issue here was not the spot of the ball. The, the side of West's leg touched the ground. It was really close. It looked like it didn't. Sharkandrick West, in the moment, he definitely think didn't think he had touched it. But the reason that cannot be challenged, in which he went to the end zone and he thought he had a touchdown, the reason that cannot be challenged is because the officials blew the whistle and Vikings players were celebrating and getting off the field why? Because play until the whistle is blown. So once the whistle is blown, you have every right to celebrate and leave the field, which is what the Vikings were doing. When Vikings players were getting off the field, West thought he didn't hit the ground, and he ran to the end zone. But 
the officials called the play down right there where he was tackled, and the Vikings players, again, like I said, were already getting off the field. The reason you cannot challenge that and get it overturned to be a touchdown is because that'd be unfair to the Vikings who, again, like I said, they were getting off the field because they heard the whistle. The game, not the game, the play was over, so it's unfair to challenge that and say, oh, okay, Charkandrick West was actually on his feet the entire time, never hit the ground, so therefore we're going to give him the touchdown because the Vikings players all got off the field. I don't like it, I hate it, even though I do think West did come in contact with the with the grass. Uh, it, it's a tough call right there, even if he didn't hit the ground there. I I think it's, it's, it's tough, but it's one of those things, that's the way it's written in the NFL rules, and I think that's the only way to do it. I think that's why a lot of scoring plays... Are, or well, obviously scoring plays are, are resulted in touchdown plays, but I, I should say close plays in the end zone. I think that's why a lot of them are are they're, they're going to be resulted as a touchdown if they need to. They'll review it, and obviously with the new rule, every scoring play has to be reviewed. So officials will take a look at it. I think it's better to hand a touchdown call to the offense than if there's a serious question about it, you can review it and take a look at it. So that's the explanation that I can provide to the listeners. Albert Wilson in this game, by the way, got his first career touchdown on a nice screen. Vikings had that heavy blitz, giving Wilson an easy path. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs tried to rally, and we mentioned uh, Travis Kelsey tried to get the offense going, but that fumble really did it there. And and, and after that, Kansas City had no timeout, so they were trying to look at, at passing plays all near the sidelines, and none of them seemed to work out. So... There you have it. Uh, Like I said, I think the biggest thing for me is the fact that for nearly 77 minutes, the Chiefs did not score in a football game. When you go that long without coming away with a score, you're not going to win many football games. That's why this team only has one win right now. The fact that they won in week one against Houston, I I, I think is, is a miracle right now. Real quickly, before we go to Jay Binkley's interview, something that I was thinking about earlier today that I want to bring up. Obviously, we've heard the term, it's a game of inches. And I think for any case, you can sit here and say the Chiefs could have more wins than losses right now. If you watch the games, in all the Broncos game and the Bengals game, and also this game, the Vikings, and the Bears, four games right there, Chiefs could have easily won four football, four more football games. Could be standing at 5-1 and one right now. Although the Chiefs are 1-5, they could be 5-1. If they don't turn the ball over against Denver, if they come away with touchdowns instead of field goals against Cincinnati, if they can hold on to a lead and play for four quarters against Chicago, same thing, play four quarters of football against the Vikings. The Chiefs could probably be 5-1 right now. The Packers game is really the only one I nix out because... The Packers had complete control of that game. And look, it's fine. You're not going to be able to win all of your football games. At the same time, the Denver Broncos could easily be 1-5 right now. I mean, think about it. The The season opener that they had in Week 1 against the Ravens, that could have easily gone to Baltimore. In Week 2 against the Chiefs, we don't need to go over it, but that could have easily gone to Kansas City. I think the only time in which... Denver really had a football game in which they were in complete control of was against the Detroit Lions. 
They were on the fence against the Vikings, on the fence against the Vikings, and then the Cleveland Browns of all teams. Look, it shocks me watching the Broncos. If you have watched the Broncos, and I haven't watched every single snap, but I've watched a lot. I've, I've watched a majority of the snaps for Denver. It's incredible how many opportunities opposing teams have to beat Denver. And Denver has not lost the game yet. So the same way the Chiefs could be 5-1 and one instead of 1-5, and five, same thing that Denver could be 1-5 instead of 6-0. and oh. This game really is a game of inches. And I think the Chiefs and the Broncos are an example of it. The Broncos could easily be a bad football team right now because they've got the worst quarterback right now in Peyton Manning, who's leading the NFL in interceptions, yet the Broncos are still winning football games. There's something to keep in mind. Look, I'm not making an excuse for the Chiefs. They are playing bad football right now, but it's it's not as horrible as it looks on the record. And again, you are what your record says you are, but the Chiefs are definitely far more competitive than what the record shows. And I think that's something to at least try and build off of. I know not many people want to hear this, but perhaps some people are, are in the mindset of 2016 right now for the Chiefs. there's anything the Chiefs can do about it, I mean, at least take some of this competitiveness and, you know, bring it with you to next season. It's it's, undoubt, it's undoubted that the team's going to go undefeated and go 11-5, and five, but there, there are some things to, to like about this football team. I, I don't want to say feel good about it because there's not, you can't feel good about a 1-5 record, but you can like what the team is doing on the field, even if, even if they're not winning. Just something I wanted to throw out there because I think a lot of fans are looking at the record and they're just upset with Alex Smith and Andy Reid, but I think there's a little bit more to that as well. All right, I'm going to bring you the interview I had with Jay Binkley from 610 Sports Radio. You'll definitely want to hear it. I'll ask him about Andy Reid's job security. Alright, it's now time to bring in Jay Binkley from 610 Sports Radio. He co-hosts the day ship from 10 to 2 weekdays and also co-hosts the Chiefs post-game show on 610 Sports Radio. And he's gracious to give us a few minutes of his time here on the Chiefs on Podcast. Jay, thanks for coming on. How have you been, man? Hey, Farzine. How we doing, man? I guess doing as good as a person can do when their favorite football team is 1-5. Let's get right into it, Jay. I, I... I know you're in the media. It's your job to follow the Chiefs, basically all the sports, in the as well as outside of Kansas City. But a lot of people in Kansas City are in full Kansas City Royals mode. And I, like I said, it's part of your job to not just follow the Royals, follow everything else. But when you're on your show, when you're discussing non-Royals topics, I mean, if you guys jump into the Chiefs, a team that's 1-5 right now, do you get heckled by fans uh, through the phone lines or on, on Twitter, the text line, saying, hey, look, forget about the Chiefs, just just talk about the Royals? Yeah, actually, actually, I do. And I just remember just a few short years ago, uh, really, the 2013 year, 
that uh, if we were talking Royals, which was kind of maybe 20% of the time, if that, and it was Talk Chiefs. That's where we had a lot of fun with the whole, you know, hashtag Talk Chiefs because that's what people would do. We'd be talking Royals, and this is during, like, Royal season. <laughs> but the Chiefs might have the draft or the OTAs, and they'd be like, no, no, Talk Chiefs. But, yeah, I, I think – let me put it this way. If the Royals uh, were still playing like they did circa – the 90s or circa the 2000s, uh, this Chiefs team would be a lot more scrutinized, and so would Andy Reid. I mean, that's just the, that's just the fact. If people weren't kind of distracted with the Royals uh, and the Chiefs were under the microscope, it would be probably ten times the uh, outrage. Yeah, I hear you. Look, I went on uh, my Facebook and Twitter page, and I asked fans, I said, what's a, what's a word you would use? to describe the Chiefs in this game, and a couple people actually just said Royals. So, I, I hear you on that. Uh, look, we can all agree that none of us penned Alex Smith as a top-tier elite quarterback this year, or ever for that matter, but we can agree that we didn't expect him to play this poorly and overthrow so many of his passes, which is surprising to me and many watching. It's tough to watch, not because he's playing bad, but because it's really unexpected for us to see him to play this bad. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And it, especially when he's, you know, guaranteed money for next year, this is not as simple. And I was trying to remind people that tonight, it's not as simple as, you know, putting in the backup quarterback. Would, would I like to see Chase play? Well, yeah. I mean, the team's one and five. I mean, why not? I mean, I need something to entertain me. Uh, why not that be it? But you, you just can't do it. Uh, it's, uh, Alex Smith is like a big anchor. Uh, to the boat of John Dorsey. Um, when he's guaranteed that money next year, if you make that quarterback switch now, uh, you may lose the team to Alex Smith. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to gain the trust of his teammates back because, you know, he, he, he's been branded the guy when they brought him in here. It was all about Alex Smith. You know, that was the guy. And players saw his contract. They know what he's getting paid. They know he's not going anywhere. And so if you bench a guy like that, it's tough for him to get that kind of trust back uh, with his teammates. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've been trying to tell fans this for a long time. A lot of fans don't know the machinations of trades and releases with contracts. I mean, this is the business aspect of the game, and not many people are aware of that. You can't just take a cap hit and release them. I had someone on Facebook say, hey, look, who cares? Let's just take a cap hit and move on. You, you can't do that, especially with how much dead money it would be. And let's not forget, there's still some dead money from Brandon Flowers. Uh, you can't just take uh, Alex Smith and trade him because of that hefty contract. Uh, no general manager is going to do it. Yeah, no one yeah. no one wants that contract. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Not even the most desperate team in need of a quarterback would do it. If they need a quarterback, they'll look elsewhere for a better price. Uh, look, the, the offense was already playing bad football even with Jamal Charles. Now you take Jamal out. Jeremy Macklin just suffered a concussion. We'll see how long he'll be out. It's uncertain how much time he'll miss. You lose Charles and Macklin. Let's assume Macklin's gone for at least this week against Pittsburgh. This already rudimentary offense is getting worse now, and it's missing its key pieces from important guys. What do you make of this offense without Jamal and possibly without Macklin? There's not much to make of it. Uh, you know, I, I thought if one way, well, yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, I, I thought one way the Chiefs were going to be competitive this year. Um, I, I bought into the Chiefs this year because, um, you know, really good teams have a good, at least, triangle of talent in their offense. And, 
you know, you have a Jamal Charles and then a Travis Kelsey, then a Jeremy Macklin. Like, you can win games with that group, but you, you take Jamal Charles away, and then all of a sudden you take a Jeremy Macklin away from a week. I mean, Jeremy Macklin's been the only guy making plays for this team. You know, I'd say that maybe Travis Kelsey, you know, a few different times here and there. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, I and mean, it's going to be interesting, especially the way the line's blocking now, especially considering kind of Alex Smith's his, his passing accuracy. If you add that in, it's it's going to be rough for this offense. Let me put it this way. They've only scored two offensive touchdowns in the last three weeks combined. That doesn't cut it. I mentioned to you, it's surprising to see Alex Smith play at the level he's playing right now. It's also been a shock watching this defense, too. So many great players on the defensive side of the ball. You're, I mean, you, you've gotten some players back from injury or, or health issues, and you've got everybody back. But they haven't played well together. Has this defense surprised you also? You know, it really has. And, you know, you bring Eric Berry back into the equation. You get Mike DeVito and Derek Johnson back. I mean, you, you think about how good the defense was last year, second in the NFL, uh, tied with Detroit, uh, the fewest points against. And you think about where they sit now. Um, it's amazing because they got talent back. And you added Marcus Peters. I mean, you look at last year's defense, and, and you think of DeVito, with Marcus Peters, with Eric Johnson, with Eric Berry, I would be crazy to think that this defense wasn't going to be as good um, as last year's defense. But the problem is they found no one to play that nickel role. They keep playing musical chairs in the nickel. Today we saw Hussein Abdullah sometimes in that. And right away, Teddy Bridgewater water, water 41 yards, or excuse me, 51 yards down the field, uh, taking advantage of that. And the one thing, too, and I caution people, because the defense did look you know, halfway decent today, Minnesota's Viking, Vikings offense is terrible. They're 32nd in the NFL in total offense. So the Chiefs were going in against the worst statistical offense in the league. Jay Binkley from 610 Sports Radio here with us. Follow him on Twitter at 3 Guys in a Garage. Jay, I know uh, you and your colleagues at 610 Sports Radio, you guys get to speak to uh, former Chiefs players. You, you have uh, former offensive lineman Ryan Lilja on your station and also Bill Moss. Uh, I, I heard you ask this to Lilja, and, and the nice thing about talking to former players, you kind of get the mindset. They can kind of translate things for you in a different language and let you know what's really going on in the locker room, what those players are feeling. You asked Ryan Lilja a great question on your postgame show this past Sunday. Uh, can you relay Lilja's answer? Because I like your question of what the team's mindset is at 1-5, and five, dropping five straight games, because it's hard for even a pro athlete to feel optimistic at this rate, isn't it? Well, it's going to be tough, and I'll be—I'll be honest with you. When, when you're one and five, the, what you start playing for is contract. Um, they, like if you're Jay Howard, you're playing because you're a free agent after this year to make that money. Um, you know, guys that want extensions, uh, guys that just are playing for to have a job in this league. Um, what happens is when you're one and five.